Hey everybody, welcome back to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I hope this podcast finds you well and I hope you're all having a great day and I hope things are going well for you. I want to thank you for tuning in to another episode of Thursday Thoughts and I'm excited to come to the conclusion of this series we've done on Christianity and culture and the last few weeks how we've been looking at the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount and looking at it as the ultimate countercultural teaching that Jesus gives. Basically, the Beatitudes, as we've looked at, are this countercultural teaching that characterize and describe the people of the kingdom of God, the people of the kingdom of heaven. That is who the Beatitudes are describing. And if you remember back in the earlier days of this season when we were talking more topical things about like, are we at war? You know, how do we fit in this culture today? You know, what about, you know, what is culture trying to do to our families and to the home and so on and so forth? You know, we talked topically about a lot of things and, you know, at least in my opinion and from my study of scripture, what our responses and reactions toward these things should be. And so today we're going to kind of culminate and conclude this season, and I think it's a good way to conclude it, where we'll kind of touch back over a lot of those things that we talked about beforehand, but we'll conclude the Sermon on the Mount, which, sorry, excuse me, we won't conclude the Sermon on the Mount, but we'll conclude the uh, section of the Beatitudes. And I think it's a good way, or good place to end, because I think it, shows us, it kind of builds on last week's beatitude, the conclusion of this section of Jesus' sermon about how when you live this way, you're going to be different. You're going to look different, and that's going to bring sometimes bad and unwanted attention. And so, well, that being said, let's get started. So Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12 read, Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Matthew chapter 5, verses 11 and 12. And so, there's been little, there's been some debate over whether or not this this concluding part is a ninth beatitude or if it's just like a conclusion building off of the eighth beatitude in verse 10 and you know i don't i don't i don't think it much matters if it's a ninth beatitude or if it's a concluding statement b- building off the last beatitude i think the the message well the message is still the same. And so that's what matters is the message. And so the saying is, you know, it, it. some scholars say it's formally distinct from the Beatitudes despite its opening word, blessed or fortunate, as we've talked about in earlier episodes. Um, but most people, most people seem to think it's an expansion on the thought of the last Beatitude. 
But the thing is, now it's applied directly to the listening disciples and introducing the contrast between them and other men, which is the themes of verses 13 through 16 of salt and light, right? Insult and slander are the forms which persecution of Christians has often taken from the earliest of times, right? Since Jesus himself was abused and slandered, it should be no surprise that his followers received the same treatment on his account, right? And indeed, it should make us glad, right? Jesus is saying it should make you glad because it shows that you are really in the true succession of God's faithful servants. You see, these verses repeat, amplify, and personalize verse 10 by shifting from third person to second person address because of me, right, Jesus says, on my account, because of me, provides another key qualification. Uh, as in verse 10, the only, persecution, the only persecution that is blessed is that which stems from allegiance to Jesus and living in conformity to his standards and with his standards. Because this life is just a fraction of all eternity. We can and must rejoice, even in persecution. The joy commanded here, as elsewhere in Scripture, like uh, James chapter 1, verse 2, is not an emotion, per se, maybe, but it's more of an attitude. Right? Joy, to me, is an attitude. You know, a lot of people talk about joy being an emotion, and yeah, I mean, yeah, sure, sure, maybe joy is a bit of emotion, but joy is also, also an attitude, because joy comes as a result of A result of kind of your your stand in life and your standing and how you view things and so on and so forth. And I guess what I mean by that is there are some people, like I, I've I've known some people growing up who have been going through it. I mean, getting put through the ringer, as we would say in Alabama. They were getting put through the ringer. And and yet they were still so joyful and they were still so just a joy and a pleasant personality to be around. And I remember sometimes these people would get asked, you know, with everything going on, how can you sit here and cut up and laugh and smile and be happy with what's going on and stuff like that? And they, and I feel like all of them usually have the same answer. The people who are happy during the bad times and things like that, or just during difficult times, not necessarily bad, but trying times. And it's because they have joy. They have the joy of the Lord. And what does that mean? It means that they take comfort in knowing that as we read last week from Romans 8, that the struggles of this world are nothing to compare to the glory that is to come. That's what they have hope in, and that's why they're able to feel this joy, right? And that's why they're able to rejoice over it, right? Even in persecution, as Jesus said, and take pride and joy into it, because the reward is great, right? Rejoice and be glad, because the reward is is great. And we think about reward, right? Uh, more literally, this word means like wages. So like wages. Uh, it's more of a promise of future recompense for a present condition of persecution and reproach than a reward for piety, right? There is no comparison here between those with a lesser reward and a greater reward. So the reward should probably just be thought of as heaven itself and not some particular status in the life to come. Jesus offers a reminder 
that even the great men and women of the Old Testament times suffered a similar fate. Because those who truly live in accordance with God's word sometimes suffer persecution. Right? The prophet Jeremiah provides a classic example. Or uh, Elijah, any of them. The same is true of Christian history. When we suffer, we must avoid the trap of thinking that we are the only ones who have ever experienced such problems. Right? You remember Elijah has that problem. You know, he's... He gets so frustrated and upset, you know, he said, God, just go ahead and kill me now. But God, you know, obviously gives him food, tells him to take a nap and, you know, have a different thinking about things. And God reminds him that they're over, that, you know, that I have 7,000 people in Israel still faithful to me. And so we're not alone when we go through these problems. And, you know, like with the story of Elijah, we get to see how this great godly man still you know, got doubtful and got upset about it. But, you know, he eventually turned his mind back to, like, to reality, I guess you should say, and he um, and he focused up. But today, whenever we're going through these trials and tribulations, we don't need to fall into that same trap and thinking that we're the only ones going through things because there are a lot of faithful Christians around the world. You know, you if you would... You watch the news only and read everything online that this media likes to talk about, then you would think that you're the only one going through the things you are because you'd make you think that nobody else does the things you do. But that's not true. There's still a lot of Christian people in this world who love God and are trying their hardest and go through the things that you're going through. And so we need to band together and rally together. And so, again, just as, just as we read last week, we see that persecution is a result of living this godly life in Christ Jesus, right? That's 2 Timothy, right? 2 Timothy 3.12 was all those who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, right? In 1 John 3.13, John remembers Jesus' teaching and says, right, don't be surprised if the world hates you. And then in John 15, right, John records the story of Jesus telling them that the servants aren't greater than the master. You know, don't be surprised if the world hates you. No, it hated me first, for a servant is not greater than his master. And so, building off the same things as last week, we see that persecution should not come as a surprise to us, right? I think of something in 1 Peter 4 when Peter says the end of all things is at hand. And what he means by that is that we are in the last days. In, in the Bible, in, in the theological community in church, you may hear this topic of call, called the last days. All that means is that you know we're living in the last days, and what that means, it doesn't mean that every prophecy in Revelation is to be taken literally and it's going to come true. No, but we live in the last days, which means that the last step in God's plan of salvation to redeem his people is just for Jesus to come back. And so we're living in the last days, which means that we're living in the last phase of the plan, which is right before Jesus comes back. And so Jesus can come back at any moment, right? Like a, like a thief in the knife, a thief in the night, right? He'll come. And so we always need to be living a life that is prepared for that. And I think that's what Jesus is talking about here. Like, yes, you're going to suffer persecution. And yes, things are going to be hard. But you have to focus on me. And you need to live this life. And you need to 
do the things that you're supposed to do because, yeah, you may go through some persecution and some bad things in this life, but rejoice in it because knowing that when you do it, it will be a reward for you in the next life, which is eternity with God. And so that's what Jesus is kind of already starting to talk about, you know, how you need to live this life this way, the way of the Beatitudes, this countercultural lifestyle, because it will save you and it will help you reach the eternal life and our eternal home with God one day. And so the upshot of the Beatitudes is a complete inversion of the attitude properly known in our culture as kind of like machismo or machismo. Uh, in fact, this attitude is not limited to a particular culture, but characterizes humanity's self-centered, self-arrogant pride, which in invariably seeks personal security and survival above the good of Others and so that's what this machismo, this macho man lifestyle that our our culture and that our world believes and they want, right? It's it's very self centered and self arrogant uh, with pride and it seeks itself, right? We are enabled to invert these natural worldly values only when we recognize that God will in turn invert our marginalized status and grant eternal compensation, right? This is not to promote, right, works-based salvation. Jesus is addressing those who are going to follow him and believe in his message. And so we're saved by grace through faith, as, as uh, Paul says. And so, you know, there's nothing we can do to earn our salvation. However, good works come as a result of salvation, and that's where James' conversation comes in. Uh, faith without works is dead because... True faith, excuse me, true faith shows itself by works. Because if you're truly saved by Christ, then your life will show it. Your works will show it. Right? And so, as we're coming to an end here of this season of Thursday Thoughts, we've we've looked at the Beatitudes from the Sermon on the Mount, and we've talked topically about certain things, about how uh, are we at war, where do we fit, Christianity versus culture, you know, what is the, what does our battle look like, you know, our, what's our mission, you know, our mission is to seek and save the lost, and how these people out there aren't our enemies, but sometimes they will be the cause of your persecution, but that doesn't make them enemies, right? The spiritual powers, the evil demonic powers at work, Satan, they're the enemy, not people, and so our job is to try to display Christ and to show Christ into this world and to display it and be a light as the next few verses in Matthew chapter 5 say after the Beatitudes. And so, we've looked at all these different things, and we've looked at how Jesus' teaching is very much against what our culture teaches today. Our culture is all about doing what you want and making yourself happy. Our culture is, you know, claims to talk about being accepting and claims to talk about accept all people where they are, but... The reality is, is our culture only want, is only accepting and our media is only accepting if you think what they think and what they want you to think. And that's not what Jesus calls us to do. Jesus calls us to believe in him and believe in his word and to live a life that is centered in God. And, so, and a lot of times the world, the world does not like that. The world hates that. You know, Jesus said, you know, don't be surprised if the world hates you. No, it hated me first. And so... 
that's part of the lifestyle that we just have to be prepared for. In these last days, right, the ultimate reward, the ultimate compensation is eternal life. And how do we get that? Well, you get it by believing in Jesus, right, being baptized in the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and living a life of faith, right? We can't forget that part. You know, there, there's this, this once saved, always saved doctrine that sometimes is thrown around, that's just not in the Bible. It's just not there. You know, there's, if we just, I mean, Paul teaches on it in Romans 6 and 7, um, the writer of Hebrews in Hebrews chapter 10, if we continue to live a life of sin even after salvation, you know, our souls are in jeopardy and we could lose our souls still. And so, because faith requires obedience, that's what characterizes faith is the obedience and the actions that are followed. And so if we're truly going to have faith and if we're going to be saved by grace through faith, then our lives need to show it. And that's what our call is as a Christian. So if you remember, I think the very first episode of this season, I believe it was titled Your Mission Should You Choose to Accept It. You know, I stole that from Mission Impossible. And so our mission, should we choose to accept it, is to live out the Great Commission in our lives and to be hospitable people to the world, even if it means being slandered and persecuted for it physically or spiritually or mentally or emotionally, you know, whatever ways the persecution comes, we have to be prepared for it. And we're still called to be gentle and kind and respectful to people and give them a reason for the hope that is in us. And we need to always think, we always need to be mission-minded, right? Right? It's a top secret, well, it's not really a top secret mission, but it's it's a, it's it's the what our soldiers do as Christian soldiers, hard-fighting soldiers, that's what we do. We go out and we live for Christ, and we do our best to be an example of Christ in our lives, and Lord willing, give us that would give us an opportunity to speak to others about the good news and about the gospel. And God would hopefully plant seeds and bring people to him, and they would be saved. And so... As we're coming to the end, there's one Bible passage that I can't help but think about to conclude this season of Thursday Thoughts. And so we've been talking about Christianity and culture and what this culture and the world is trying to push on us versus what Christ wants. And so I think Paul summarizes it pretty well in Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Paul says, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. And so as Christians, we have to present our bodies as a living sacrifice. And... Back in the Old Testament, they only gave the best parts and the parts that God ordained to be part of the sacrifice. And that was holy and acceptable in their spiritual worship. And so we are called to give ourselves and give ourselves in the ways the Bible teaches us, in the way that Jesus taught us and that the disciples teach us through their writings. And then we have to remember in verse 2, do not be conformed to this world. Don't, don't give in to this world. Don't be like this world. But be transformed by the renewal of your mind 
And when you're transformed by the renewal of your mind, by the changing of your mind to be more Christ-centered, then you may discern and test what is the will of God and what is good, acceptable, and perfect. And so we cannot conform. We cannot conform. In this battle of Christianity and this worldly, evil, sinful culture, we must, we must not conform. And we need to be loving and gentle and kind to people whenever we stand firm in our faith. People, people think that, right, meekness is not weakness, right? Being meek is not weak, right? Being humble and lowly and thinking less of yourself, right? The poor in spirit, understanding that, you know, I understand my spiritual state and that I have sinned and that I have fallen and I need someone bigger and greater than me. That doesn't mean that we roll over when opposition comes. No, we stand firm in our faith, but we stand firm in gentleness and kindness and respect. And while other, while while the world may not know how to argue and people just yell and scream and try to pick and poke holes at each other and hurt each other's feelings, we as Christians can't conform into that. And I feel like we, a lot of us, you know, I get on Facebook and see, sadly, people who I know, and, you know, they're just ranting about these things in a way that I don't think Jesus would want us to. And I've been guilty of that in the past, too. But we need to remember that we cannot conform and that we're supposed to be different. And the question is, are we? So we've went through the Beatitudes as we've went through this series of Christianity versus this worldly culture, Christianity versus sin. And we've went through the Beatitudes and seen how Jesus says we're supposed to live if we're going to be people of the kingdom of heaven. And so the question is, what side of the spectrum are you on? Are we living of the world? Are we loving the world or are we loving Jesus? Because you can't do both. You can't serve two masters. You can't love things in this world and love Jesus. That's not how it works. And so, we need to remember that we cannot conform, which means give in. Never give up. Never give in. With faith on the inside, will you be victorious in the end? Thank you guys for tuning in to another episode of Thursday Thoughts. I pray that this whole season has been a blessing to you. And I just pray that God will continue to move in us and work in us to be lights for Him in this world. God bless, and let's not conform.